0: Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the podcast of champions. Nice. back the 30. down to the 20. All the out the field! I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
1: And here he goes,
0: Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown SC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network.
1: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions, recapping everything that was week four and previewing week five in the Pac-12. Huge matchup on Friday. Lots of stuff to get to. Some crazy rankings. We're going to get to that a little bit later on. If you want to go to our website, it's pack12podcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at pack12podcast. That's the best way probably to get a hold of us. You can tweet us there. You can email us too. I'm not, not sure we'll read it, but we probably, maybe we will. Pack12podcast at gmail.com. I actually opened up the emails, Dave. So I know we have been getting some.
0: Yeah. You know what was weak in week four? Our picks. Our picks right. were bad. Our picks were pretty bad. If you were, if you were looking to make money, um, you, you should go opposite of us. I think that's a good, good starting point this season.
1: Yeah. So the, you got the opposite of this. If you did our picks this week,
0: um, Ryan, Ryan good. has a new audio board. So <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to be treated to a <laughs> lot of sweet sound effects. All right. Yeah.
1: Our, our picks this week, Dave, were, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, so we're two and four
0: uh-huh. this
1: week in our picks. Last, you know, before we we're, so we're still tied. We're still about the same, but, um, you know, we were 13, 6, and 2 heading into it. So the 2 and 4 didn't really help.
0: Uh, um, no, no, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't suit our, uh, our, our standing, obvious standing and, and earned standing as experts. Because we have expertise on every single one of these teams. We do. Don't let anyone tell you different. No.
1: Um, we're going to change up the format a little bit this week because it's, they're long shows and we're only, you know, we're doing one a week now. So it's a little harder to get everything in, but we had a good Twitter suggestion. Yeah. Um, do you remember who that was from? Should we give him a little shout out?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Him or, or her? You talk for a little bit while I, uh, look up who it was who talked to okay. us. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So it was a crazy week in the Pac-12.
0: You're doing a horrible job of, uh, <laughs> of playing this out. Um, it was. Uh, so. I thought you were looking him up. I am, but it's, it's difficult. You put a lot of pressure on me now. Oh, sorry about that. Uh,
1: but that. we want to change the format up a little bit, and we do. We we might try to do some shows where we answer some questions. I just when we are do, doing multiple shows a week, it was a little easier. It's just harder to do all that now. So we'll, we apologize, but we'll try to streamline the recaps, and then get into the previews and play a few you know sounds for you that you like, and go from there.
0: Yeah, and to, someone you have to thank for this is uh, at Liquid Ute. Uh, exactly how you would think, big Utah fan. Liquid Ute, um, yes. So yeah, so we're gonna recap games first, um, go through all those, and then we will uh in the process of previewing the games for this week, we will unveil the power rankings. Uh in reverse order how we typically do. So uh it'll be a ton of fun.
1: But we should start recapping some games. Let's do it. It's uh Friday night game. Uh in Utah, in Salt Lake City.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This one uh so this was uh USC at Utah at number twenty four team. Um so so Utah Utah outscored USC fourteen to three in the fourth quarter. here. Yes, uh, the Trojans looked like they actually had this one not not in the bag. I wouldn't say that. I don't think anything is really in the bag for USC this year. No, but they they were looking they were looking pretty strong in this one. You know, Sam Darnold looked pretty good. I, I thought he looked like maybe a guy who should have won the job two weeks before the start of the season, rather than the you know Redshirt Junior who could have transferred with two years of eligibility to go play someplace else. I thought maybe he looked like that. What did you think? He
1: did. And, uh, it was, I didn't agree with Clay Hillen's decision to switch, but right. it's like, I think they found, I think they end up finding their quarterback. Um, but the offense looked different. I thought that they, you know, Max Brown would have probably performed about the same, but I do think Sam Darnold's a better quarterback. So it's weird. Like you said, why are you having, why did you name him to start the season and all that? So that, it was weird. They had Justin Davis running for almost 13 yards of carry. He didn't get a shot in the, uh, in the fourth quarter and Utah, Troy Williams, I thought he played really well. Yeah. Um, there wasn't much of a pass rush. They weren't really getting to him and he picked him apart and having those long drives that would take up a lot of time, shortened the game. And Utah, you know, they went for it. They were playing to win the game, Dave. Uh, yeah. Kyle Whittingham was playing to win the game, going for it on fourth down four times, making them all. They needed two of them on the final drive and they take the lead. And, uh, the Utes big win for Utah. I thought they, I thought they played really well in the one.
0: Yeah. And they were in no way playing for the tie. Um, on that last drive, you know, that could have gone a little bit more conservative, but they were just, Nope, we're gonna, we're gonna win this game right here. And they did, um, scored the last touchdown with what, like 18 seconds left on the clock, something like that. Um, it was, it was a really, really impressive, I I don't know, gut check for Utah there at the end. And at the uh, kind of the converse, it was kind of a, you know, a gut check for USC that they sort of failed there at the end. Um, it, you know, I, I think for Utah fans, there's a lot to like because it this was everything Utah football has come to be. I mean, it wasn't their best defensive effort ever, but just that, you know, kind of intestinal fortitude to put together a, a, a final drive like that, I think has kind of come to typify what uh Utah stands for. And then for USC, I mean, I think if you're a USC fan, obviously one and three, not good, but there's some solace to take in this. I think, you know any other Pac-12 team fan who was watching this game kind of raised their eyebrows at Sam Darnold's play. Um, look, I thought he looked pretty impressive for a guy making his first college start as a redshirt freshman. Um, I thought he looked really impressive. Um, and I think if, if they can figure some other things out, uh, offensively, uh, I think they've got some, they've got a quarterback to build around now, but, um, yeah, really weird game. A lot of fun to watch on a Friday night, but, uh, Really, really fun final quarter there.
1: It was, yeah. Utah came out just gangbusters and, uh, I love the guts that, that the Utes played with. So, um, good one for Utah. They bump up to, I think, number 18 in the ranking. So, uh, moving up the ranks there for the Utes.
0: How did we do on this game? Uh,
1: we got this one right.
0: All right. Hey, yeah. that's, that's one and no right there. We yeah. We're feeling good after Friday. Yeah. Um,
1: mm-hmm. all right. Next up we have, this is, uh, Saturday games.
0: Yeah. Is this UCLA Stanford? UCLA Stanford, yes. Alright, so this was another one kind of weirdly similar, I guess, to USC's game against Utah, except much lower scoring, but, um, if you look at the final score, it doesn't really give a strong indication of how this game was going. Uh, UCLA had a 13 to 9 lead, um, which is familiar to UCLA fans from 2006. I'm not sure if USC even really thinks about it, but, um, it had a 13-9 to lead in the fourth quarter, deep into the fourth quarter. Um, actually, on the with two minutes to go, UCLA had a 13-9 lead. It played a great defensive game, had held Stanford's offense down, um, had played a ball control offensive style, which I thought was, you know, retroactively, I thought maybe that was a mistake. But they had a 13-9 lead with two minutes to go and Stanford having no timeouts, um, and then Ryan Burns led Stanford on a 70-yard drive um, and scored with, I think, about 24 seconds remaining in the game um, to put Stanford ahead, 16-13. to And then on the ensuing drive for UCLA, uh, David Shaw always keeping his eye on the Vegas line. Um, so Solomon Thomas strips Josh Rosen on his final Hail Mary attempt and then rumbles into the end zone for the uh, humiliating touchdown to put Stanford up by nine um as as the clock expired so nine point game that ucla had a four point lead going into the final two minutes
1: that was crazy and that was uh that was a way backdoor cover for both of us so we got this one right too yeah so spoiler alert we don't get any of the rest of the games right we're gonna talk about (laughs) we're We're, really good to oh if we just stop the podcast we were two and oh and we're done that Uh was crazy though so that was like a three-man rush on that final play yeah, you get the and then the you know the the defender goes all the way out of the screen, and for some reason the offensive lineman kind of stops blocking him, and then he comes running back and they just. Have you ever noticed how
0: often that happens on a three man rush? Maybe it's just like because you see it, you see three man rush so often from really conservative teams that the times it works, you kind of really notice it. Yeah, but it seems like offensive lines often get confused by a three man rush, <laughs> like the, like. Wait, I can't block anybody because he's already blocking that guy. And so like the guards do nothing. And then it's <laughs> just three on three and one of those guys is going to get beat. It's so strange to watch. So strange.
1: But he comes back and makes the sack. And then the worst part was that the only guy and, and you could hardly even see that the ball was on the ground, but somehow the Stanford guy picks it up. I forgot, I don't even know who it was. He's on the se- he sees it. Yeah. Uh, and picks it up and runs and the UCLA. Offensive linemen are standing around, don't even realize and the ball is out. And I, it was like the most amazing, crazy, like what the heck is going on? If you were watching the game and you went to the bathroom with two minutes left, you would have not believed, like something's wrong with my TV. There's no way that that happened.
0: That was, uh, that was wild. It was a wild finish to the game. Um, so second LA school, um, with the, uh, come from, come from a head loss <laughs> in the fourth yeah. quarter um but almost, i mean
1: almost happened to the Rams too it could have been all the la's all the uh, la football squads
0: for the first 58 minutes of this game ucla probably played its best game against stanford since the pac 12 championship game 2012 um but it's all for not uh big you know if you're looking for takeaways coming out of this game big issue is ucla still cannot run the ball between the tackles uh they averaged 2.3 yards per rush in this one Ooh. and uh uh, that's, sta- not, that's not getting it done.
1: No, and Stanford lost. The, and they had all the running backs eligible for this one, right? Like, this was the first game that all the running backs could play?
0: Yeah, yeah. There weren't any uh, fake suspensions. Okay,
1: But a couple of corners, starting corners go down for Stanford.
0: Yeah, um, and then uh, UCLA, after those corners went down, it was like they were being sporting and decided to stop throwing the ball. <laughs> yeah, that, uh oh. Run run between tackles a
1: bunch. You want to be sporting. This is a you know
0: sportsmanship is sport. important. Yeah, it's a sport. It's a sport, and sporting's right there in the title. But so. it's funny.
1: You see David Shaw when he went when he punted on the fourth and one. You're like, what is he doing? You know,
0: and Shaw uh, denies reality and substitutes his own. And, and it, but it nice. worked.
1: It's funny. It, was but it less, always
0: works for David Shaw.
1: It's less miles like, less miles like, and it's just like the bad decisions late in games end up working. Yeah. And USC does this like they punt fourth and three on, on Utah's 37-yard line. like that's, on, that's pretty terrible, and obviously that doesn't work. But David Shaw's didn't agree with it at the time, but obviously it worked out. Yeah. Moving on? Moving on. So the next game, I think we have uh, – this would be the Washington-Arizona game, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So number nine, Washington, went at Arizona, and a street fight came out. Uh, it was uh, – went into OT – Washington won uh, by by seven, but um, Arizona had a chance to win this in regulation, uh, kind of a somewhat controversial decision. Um, Arizona didn't go for two on their final uh, touchdown, and a lot of people thought they probably should have, um, you know, because they're going up against a team that's probably a little bit higher class than they are, uh, but Rich Rod chose not to. Went to overtime, and Washington sealed it there, um, but this was... A wild game. Um, I caught it on the, uh, on the replay, but they, both teams ran for all of the yards. Uh, <laughs> Washington ran for 352 and Arizona ran. And this is the more impressive feat because Washington running for 352 on Arizona is like, okay, sure. Uh Arizona ran for 308 on Washington. Wow. Washington came into this game with a top 15 rushing defense and it came out of this game with a top 60 rushing. Defense. Oh my god. Um it was this was really really impressive um for Arizona's purposes. I think this is kind of, you know, you never you never like to look at things as moral victories or moral defeats, um uh, but as far as this sort of thing goes, I, I kind of a moral victory for Arizona cuz I don't think anybody was expecting them to be in a overtime game with with Washington here and especially doing it the way they did, where they were able to run the ball so well on that Washington defense. I think that was, that was, that was probably my big takeaway from this, that Arizona's offense actually looked pretty legit against a very, very good defense.
1: Yeah, once it went at overtime, we were pretty much screwed. It was not impossible, but it was a nine and a half point spread, Dave, and,
0: uh, we, we both took Washington. <laughs> yeah, it would have had to take, like, a returned interception yes. on Arizona's offense, uh, <laughs> which I was rooting for, of course, but, uh, <laughs> it uh it didn't come to fruition.
1: But Washington missed a couple field goals. I mean, this is a team that didn't commit a lot of penalties. They had like four a game. They had more than, you know, they had double that. Right. And this one, it's just it it did not look good for. It just didn't look like a typical kind of Washington game. Um but this was, you know, Brandon Dawkins. I thought he played pretty well as his third start. Yeah. Um JJ Taylor was freshman at 97 yards and then I think he ended up breaking his ankle though, right? Like he,
0: yeah, he broke his ankle. He's out for the season, I think, but oh. it sounds like Nick Wilson has a chance to come back this week. So, well, I mean, we'll get to that in the preview, but I think if you're, if you're an Arizona fan, or actually if you're a fan of another Pac-12 team, Brandon Dawkins scares you a lot more than a new Solomon ever did. Yes. Uh, because he's got that ability to run. Um, and Solomon, you know, he's, he's, he's an okay runner, but he's nowhere close to what Dawkins is. Um, so. Yeah, a lot to like about Arizona, and I thought, again, you know, kind of the same way with Utah, this was a gut-check game for Washington, and they, they, they rose to the, rose to the challenge, so, um, a uh, lot, lot to like for both teams. Um, Washington was gonna have a game like this, and this was their first real opponent, and they, uh, they won. On the road. Gotta take that.
1: I thought the defense actually got to, um, uh, got to, uh, what, what am I blanking on his name here? Uh, Sorry. Browning? Oh, Browning. I'm sorry. Jesus. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, It's okay. It's okay. I'm like, it's late. It's completely, whatever time it is. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's not late right now. Um, but they got the Browning, I thought pretty well. They weren't able to stop the run, but they, they seemed to disrupt the pass game a little bit more. Yeah. So I thought that was good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see if you're an Arizona fan. Let's talk about Oregon State, the Beavers.
0: Yeah, so, uh, Boise State went into Corvallis and we were so close to covering this one. Sure so close. Just a point away, Oregon State from pushing and two points away from, from, from throwing this into the wind column and, and finishing the week three and three. Yeah. Uh, Boise State won 38-24. Um, the spread, if you could tell from my, uh, mathematical genius there was Boise State minus 13. Um, Darrell Garrettson, I'm not sure if he, I think he just got pulled on this one, um, cause he was very, very ineffective early. Um, the backup quarterback Blount came in and he was better. Um, I thought he, he did some better things against Boise State, but Boise State has a tough defense. Um, there, this, the, this was not a good offensive performance for Morgan State, but I don't think you can take all of that much away from it because Boise State does have a pretty good defense. Um, but they weren't ge- able to generate much on the ground. Weren't able to generate much through the air. Um, but defensively, I thought they, they played okay at times, but they also gave up 274 yards on the ground. So really yeah. how much can you take away from that? Um, I-, I would actually say the final score was maybe a little bit deceptive. Um, I-, I thought, uh, Boise state probably dominated this one. A little <laughs> bit more than the final score would indicate. I tried to talk up Oregon state a little bit, but, um, this was, this is a 31, seven game at the half. And, uh, I, I, thought it was pretty much over at that point.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I thought Oregon State played better in the second half, but part of it might just be you're oh. taking your foot off the gas a little bit, but over 500 yards of offense. Like you said, 274 on the ground. Uh, Boise State went with like a hurry up in the first half and it just seemed to, yeah. I don't know. If, it just worked really well against the Beaver defense. And I think they adjusted to it and played a lot better in the second half, but just the first half, they got blitzkrieged and then you, you, there was nothing else going on.
0: Yeah, and it was pretty much, I mean, this game would have looked a lot uglier without a Victor Bolden kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, they made some special teams plays, but yeah, not a, not a, not a great showing for Oregon State. They, uh, uh again, I think the final score is a little bit closer, but like, they're not at, at a point as a program that they're gonna, well, I mean, we we talked about possibility of it heading into this game, but I think this was kind of an eye opener for all of us, but they're not a, at that point as a program that they're gonna beat Boise State. They're just, they're, they're a year or two away from that sort of thing. We just thought
1: it would be closer. Um, which is why we picked them. Yeah. So dang you, Beavers, but welcome Angie Machado, uh, from BeaverBlitz.com to Scout.com. So. Yep. Love having you here. Yeah. Angie's now part of the, uh, the network and we have another new member of the network for our next game, which was a big one in the Pac 12. Oh, yeah. This was Colorado and Oregon.
0: Yeah. So, um, if you've, if you've been closely following the show, um I've been I've been riding or dying with the buffs now for I mean, it's been a long time. It's been all of two, maybe even three weeks. Uh, Colorado went into Autzen Stadium with their backup quarterback who didn't complete a pass in the previous week. And they came out with a win. Forty one thirty eight. And it was really only that close because Oregon mounted a furious comeback in the third quarter. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, I mean, this was, this was Colorado dominance in the first half. And then, you know, it was actually kind of cool because Oregon did take the lead in the third quarter. And suddenly you might have thought, Oh no, Colorado's gonna, gonna just lose this. And then they stepped up with a great, great fourth quarter drive, uh, scored a touchdown, went for two, got it, got the three point margin and then held fast against Oregon. Um, it had everything you wanted if you're a Colorado fan. It had the, you know, marched out to a big lead and, you know, have that big like, oh, wow, Oregon's down by, you know, a couple of scores to Colorado right now. And then Oregon came roaring back. So you got to see if your team has that kind of gut check fortitude. And they showed it. Um, this is a really, really impressive win for Colorado. I thought, you know, they did really, really well against Michigan. Um, and if Sefo Lufau hadn't gone down in that game and, you know, if uh, if – if the backup uh, Montez had been a little bit more prepared for that game, um, maybe they would have made it closer. I still think they would have lost, but this was—I mean, this was an impressive win. Even if it is a slightly down Oregon team, this is an impressive, impressive win.
1: Now, we're, our picks on this one were obviously way off. We both took Oregon minus ten and a half. So I don't oh, know if you're all went, in on Colorado. If you I went
0: against my love of buffs, but it was mostly based off the fact that Montez didn't complete a pass in the previous week. Yes, and then he came out in this game firing and running the ball dude had 135 yards on the ground so that's good right yeah he he had 400 and what 468 total yards that's nutty nutty 468 four touchdowns he
1: did have a couple of picks but um i mean you're talking he's a gunslinger throwing over 300 yards rushing over 100 yards oh and it's the first time you've started okay uh pretty pretty darn good Whatever, um, man, Steve Montez, <laughs> the dude, it was funny. So I was uh,
0: asso, Texas.
1: Yeah, he was. And it was funny. They, I think they were talking about the broadcast. They're like, yeah, he, he had offers from the whole pac 12. Oh wait, no, no one even looked at him except, except Colorado. So yeah, um, Davis Webb, who, I mean, we don't, who do you need to, you got Montez yeah. now. Yeah. Um, the okay. So the, the game was 33 to 17 in the third quarter. So Colorado's yeah. up. Oh yeah. The ducks get that big interception. So it was the first turnover of the game, so Colorado was really playing well up to that point. So this yeah. is what I turned the game on, and that's what I see. Yeah, um, it led to a touchdown. It was thirty-three twenty-four. Oregon scored again. It was thirty-three thirty-one. Then an interception and another touchdown. Um, and then
0: what did you do, Ryan?
1: I turned the game off. I switched to a different
0: game. So, so Colorado fans, you know, you have to thank for this win.
1: I tweeted that as the from the Pac-12 podcast. You know, I was like, "Sorry, Colorado fans," and they were like, "Turn it off." So I, so I did. And then they came back and won, and they got that great interception to, to end the game, and uh, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I only watched the part where Oregon was doing well. The, whenever I was watching the game, it was only Colorado doing I mean, only Oregon doing well.
0: So, uh, all right, there's a lot to like about this Colorado team, and I'm not even being, you know, funny right now. Uh, defensively, uh, maybe not like the stoutest rushing defense I've ever seen, but they're disruptive. Um, their corners are great. Um, great secondary. Lots of fun to watch. Uh, receiving core, I think it's very underrated. Bryce Bobo's—I mean, he had he had such an incredible catch. Um, there, uh, I think you know, with Montez, I mean, and with Lufau. I think they have a rushing attack that's pretty decent, and I think they're really willing to run the quarterback, which so many teams are silly and not doing. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm a big buy, big believer in this Colorado game and uh, Colorado team, and I think uh, they've got some good things in store this year.
1: No Nelson Spruce, but still some playmakers there. So, uh, good stuff. I mean, Colorado, they they're moving up the, uh, powerful yeah. Pac-12 power rankings or podcast of champions power rankings. So we'll get to that in a little bit. We got one more game to talk about, Dave. Let's talk about it. Cal ASU, low scoring affair, I believe. <laughs> I, I need to look it up. What, what happened in this one? This game was
0: wild, <laughs> wild things happening in this one. Um, so this was, so it finished Arizona State, uh, covering I think they had a minus four they covered fifty-one forty-one, but that does not even tell the tale of the last few minutes of this game. It was thirty-four-thirty-four with six twenty-one to go um in in the uh in the game. Um and then Davis Webb drop back to pass, throws a just a gimme interception to Slamo Fiso, converts it into a ASU field goal. Then on the next drive, after one you know, measly run by Trey Watson. Davis Webb throws another interception on his side of the field. This one returned for a touchdown. Suddenly it's 44-34 ASU. Then Cal roars down, scores a touchdown, but then ASU comes back, um, scores a touchdown off of a, uh, off of an onside kick return, which was <laughs> so funny to watch. Um, and if any, you know, UCLA fans are listening, and I'm sure you are, it reminded me very much of the Brandon Brazil, consecutive onside kicks returned for a touchdown against, uh, northwestern in the sun bowl but um consecutive just, that's pretty impressive that was the wildest thing but ever. but that seen. hurt
1: us that hurt our cover because the the uh kickoff return for the, the onside kick return that screwed our cover
0: we were we were looking really good until that moment yes if he had just fallen on the ball we would have been fine
1: yeah <laughs> um,
0: so we blame him for a lot this is just a wild wild finish um and davis webb you know he kind of giveth and uh, davis webb taketh away he uh had 5 touchdowns, 478 yards on 56 attempts, but those two picks at the end. I mean, they basically lost the game for Cal. They needed him to be perfect at that moment and he could not be.
1: The uh for Cal on the Cal side, I I was, you know, I watched it, but I was reading up some people um some different, you know, I, Ryan Gorsey was talking about that really the defense wasn't the problem. He was saying they only gave up 34 points. They forced four different three and outs in the first half. It, he didn't think the defense I agree with him.
0: I, uh, I don't think I don't think the D was that bad.
1: John Wilner was like though, he was saying that, you know, being up 24-10 at halftime, the the bear you know, Bears gave up 41 points in the second half and 31 in the fourth fourth quarter. It's the most by an FBS team this season. So, I know it wasn't all, I mean, obviously the yeah, the it return. It wasn't
0: even mostly the defense. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> it was it was again, an onside kick return for a touchdown, <laughs> an interception return for a touchdown. And an interception that was immediately converted into a field goal. Yeah. I mean, that's 17 of those 41 points right there. So they scored 24 in the second half. And I don't know that all of them were super long drives. I don't know. I, well, yeah, actually a lot of them were super long drives. So the defense wasn't great in the second half, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't 41 points back.
1: But that, even that Cal touchdown, like there was definitely Pac 12 ref stuff going on there. Like the, it was questionable. Like was it really a touchdown or not? I mean, there was a lot of, it was just, there were so many weird things going on in this game. And, you know, Manny Wilkins, uh he rushed for 72 yards. But, you know, the the great duo of Arizona State running backs, like they only had like 70 yards total between them or something. It wasn't, yeah. there was, it It wasn't, I don't know, it was just weird. Like there was a whole lot of points and you could kind of figure the way it would go. But the way the game played out, it didn't really reflect the way the score was. And there was, you know, the, the way the stats kind of got distributed didn't seem correct, either, at least the way we would expect it to go.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was um, some big plays on the Arizona State defensive side that kind of flipped it, and that's always what you're looking for when you see the yardage disparity here. Because Cal had over 600 and what 30 yards of offense, while ASU had a a measly uh, what 450. But it was you know all of those turnovers late that kind of flipped the flipped the whole nature of this game. All right, well that's the recap from Week Four. Should we move on? Let's move on to the to the preview.
1: The game preview. So we're gonna just so we're gonna talk about uh our Podcast of Champions Power Poll. So we're gonna go in reverse order for the preview. So we'll talk about the lowest ranked team and then who they're playing. Um and then we'll kind of go that way. Does that that sound like that that's gonna work, Dave?
0: Sounds like the plan, but I think you've got you've got a little sound to play right now. I do. So this is our Pac-12 roundup.
1: And who's our number 12 team, right? No- <laughs> there was, there was some debate over this. I fought. I didn't fight. Dave there, were, that there, were, there were
0: three seconds of debate, <laughs> which was just the silence after I said that I had moved this team down to number
1: 12. All right. So this team is now number 12. I don't think it's ever happened in the history of the podcast of champions. That Power polls.
0: USC Trojan
1: And the Coliseum. Oops. Oh, I'm sorry. They'll be taking on
0: Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> all right. So this game will be on at 5:30 p.m. on Big Fox in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, the home of the Rams. Uh, the line is USC minus ten. Um, so this is against. So this is what the uh, number twelve team versus the number five team ASU in the all important
1: yeah we have let me Champions see power rankings yeah I think we have ASU all the way up you're, you're kind of giving it away, Dave, but they're number five yeah I guess we should talk like we have to talk about it because they're playing each other yeah okay so number five we have ASU up at number five
0: right so um USC uh favored by 10, which is, seems like a, a big a big number for a team that is all the way down at number 12 against a team that is all the way up at number five um, <laughs> Uh so this is an interesting line um ASU has zero defense whatsoever um I think that was evidenced by the 630 yards they gave up against Cal last week yes uh but they're 4 no um USC I, I think found its quarterback but there are some issues um I think the uh the the absence of Justin Davis in that fourth quarter speaks to some interesting uh coaching decisions um which I think is probably the issue first and foremost for USC fans um but also uh, defensive front has kind of, uh, wilted, uh, throughout some games. So I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards ASU to, to cover the 10. I think USC is going to win, but I don't think it's going to be USC by 10 or more.
1: I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I'm taking the, those 10 points all day long. I could certainly see, I, I really wouldn't be surprised at any kind of result in this one. Um, ASU has been a second half team. USC has been a fold in the second half kind of team. Um, so I could see if it's a close game, ASU pulling out a win late, I could see USC just kind of getting out to an early lead and put up a bunch of points and, and winning the game. And I could see ASU doing the same thing. Like I really, I don't think a whole lot, uh, would shock me. Um, it and I think it's a lot of it going, mean, what's USC's mental attitude kind of going to this game? Like every team they've played has been undefeated, which is kind of crazy. Uh, yep. and they're one in three. Um, do they get back off this night, or are they, you know, and, and rally around Sam Darnold, or is Arizona State just going to put up so many points? And you know, it's Arizona State is the highest scoring team in the conference. USC is the lowest scoring team in the conference. So Arizona State's forty-eight point eight points or something. USC twenty-two points, and yeah. USC's favored by ten. So they're favored by about half of what they score per game. So just. Being a math guy, there's no way I could not take ASU and 10 points in this one.
0: Yeah. And I think what you said about USC is kind of the theme of that team. We're not going to really know any of these games. What USC team is going to show up until they put together two or three consistent performances across a few games. Um, they haven't been able to do that at all this year. Uh, so I, I, you know, you can't really, you can't really predict anything. (laughs) You know, it could be USC could blow them out. ASU could blow them out. USC could win by a little. ASU could win by a little. This team could end this game could end in like a seven overtime tie. I don't know. Yeah.
1: You don't know anything. But we know I know Arizona State plays better in the second half and I know that USC doesn't do a lot of substituting on defense. If Arizona State offense is on the field for a long time, they're going to get tired. Um I just haven't seen I like the way Sam Darnold's been playing. They're, you know, they're getting 8 yards a play or something against Utah. I mean, they really were moving the ball. They had turnovers and penalties and stuff that kind of derailed that. So I could see them moving the ball on Arizona state, but will they be able to keep up and will they be able to have the defense kind of make the big plays late in the games? If they're out in the field the whole time, I just, I'm just thinking, you know, it's, it's going to be ASU, but you know, we'll see. Uh But 10 points, that's a lot. I mean, that's just yeah. a lot of points.
0: Well, and I, I must reiterate, ASU has zero defense. <laughs> their, their defense does not exist. Um And, Offensively, they can do some really great things, but their defense doesn't exist. So, I, I think it's going to be if it's if 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 USC is going to win this, I think it'll be a higher scoring game.
1: All right. So that was that game. Both of us picked ASU. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we have our number eleven team,
0: Washington State Cougars, meow.
1: taking on
0: Oregon Ducks. <laughs> And the Ducks have dropped to number 8 in the power rankings. Yes. So this is 11 versus 8. It's at Pullman, um, so there's that to consider. This game will be on at 6.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Um, Oregon is a road favorite by one and a half. Um, so Oregon is fresh off of a loss. Washington State's fresh off of a bye week. But um, this is an interesting interesting one to consider washington state has looked really inconsistent and disorganized this year um do not look like a particularly well coached team sort of like how they looked at the beginning of last year um the bye week might have served them pretty well um if you remember at the start of the season we were all pretty high on washington state we thought they had a chance to contend in the north and probably finish with eight or nine wins uh it certainly doesn't seem to be shaping up that way but a bye week might have helped them quite a bit um I don't know what to make of Oregon at this point. Um, defensively, they look to be having a lot of the same issues from last year, only arguably worse. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a little bit banged up, um, offensively. Royce Freeman sat again last week. Um, I don't know that it's a guarantee he's gonna play this week. Um, so they've also got some offensive line injuries. All that leading up to say, I think Washington State wins this one outright. Ooh. Yeah. I How? think they're going to win this at home. Night game in Pullman. I think they may have figured some things out in the bye week, got a little bit more organized offensively. I think they're ready to put up a big number on Oregon.
1: All right. Um, I call this like the calculus game. There's just a lot of variables in this one. There's so, I mean, there, there's so many questions for both of these teams we just don't know. Like, what the heck is Oregon doing? Uh, when's the last time they lost back to back games? Um, yeah. You know, Washington State, if they had the buy, what, what are they going to come off of the buy? They're going to look worse. They're going to look better. So I was going to say, if I'm getting a, a point and a half for the home team and I just really have no idea which way this one's going to go, I'll take Washington State as well. Not sure they're going to win it outright, but I could certainly see that happening. Um, but I'll, yeah, I'll take the home team point and a half on the, after the bye week. Yeah, I figured give them a little boost. We'll see what happens there, but I, I, I honestly have no idea what to expect in this
0: one, Dave yeah I think Washington State's going to be able to put up some good offense against Oregon and you know in that last game, um, I think it was against Idaho, they actually ran the ball quite a bit, and uh, the recipe against Oregon is definitely to to mix it up a little bit and I think you can run on them so I look for Washington State to put up some little little bit of rushing rushing attack too. I don't think they're going to throw the ball 70 times so
1: all right, uh, okay, so the next one this is our uh, our number 10 team. Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> And our number four team, Colorado
0: Buffalo. Number four, buffs, Dave. Number four broke into the top third of the all-important podcast of champions power rankings. Holy cow! Just a year ago, this was the uh, battle for the bottom, and now it's you know it's a it's a good team going up against a a, a bit of a patsy. Uh, so this is on at eleven thirty a.m. On the Pac 12 network, um, Oregon State going at Colorado. So this is in Boulder. Um, and it really, I mean, if you look at the relative quality of these teams and you throw out anything they've done in the previous years, this is a well set line. Colorado's favored by 18 and a half, which is probably the most that Colorado's been favored in a Pac 12 conference game. Period. I don't, I, I can't imagine they've been favored by more in a Pac 12 conference.
1: 18 game. and a half?
0: Uh huh. And you know what? You know what? <laughs> I'm taking Colorado. I think they win this game by 35. Wow. 18 and a half? Yeah.
1: Man. Okay. Um, that's a lot.
0: That's a lot of points. And we need
1: to go, we need to go, I need to go against you on some of these. We have to, we have to get some separation here. Just so one of
0: us can be good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) We, we were good. We've both been good until last week. We were terrible. I'm going to take the beefs here. Um, You know, they kept it closer than eighteen and a half against Boise State. You could argue that Colorado is not as good as Boise State. Maybe they are. They're in the top third of our, you know, podcast of champions power rankings. But that's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of points. I like taking a lot, a lot, a lot of points. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go go Beavs here and uh, take the Beavers.
0: All right. I, I mean, I, I I think you're making a mistake. I think you're making a big mistake. Um, I think you've uh you've underestimated the Buffs once again. And I think that will be your undoing, but do what you got to do, do what you got to do. Uh But th-
1: yeah, normally this is our, the battle for who gets one Pac-12 win, right? Like that was, you know, even a few weeks ago, we thought that might be the case and it's certainly uh not the case now. So yeah, man. Yeah. Hats off to Colorado. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to make noise in the Pac-12 South race because it's not like. I mean, Utah's good, but they don't haven't looked like world beaters. We see, you know, UCLA I think can be pretty good. You know, the, they,
0: the you know, noise, the noise Colorado is going to be making is um cheering when they win the Pac-12 South. They, <laughs> that's the noise. That's the noise Colorado is going to be
1: making. That would be amazeballs. Like that would be crazy. That uh, would be ridiculous. If Colorado wins before Utah in the Pac-12 South, like who would have thought that?
0: That would be pretty impressive. But I'm so happy for Mag McIntyre and that entire fan base. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. Um, alright, let's go to our number nine team.
0: Arizona Wildcats.
1: They're taking on our number seven team.
0: UCLA Bruins. Alright, so the Slugfest between a couple of two and two teams is taking place at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN, uh, at the Rose Bowl. UCLA is favored by 13, uh, against Arizona at home. Um, pretty big number, um, I think if you gave me that number preseason, I would have taken UCLA probably 100% of the time. Um, but with, uh, with kind of the way UCLA's looked, 13 seems like a lot to me. Um, I think Arizona can move the ball. Uh, Brandon Dawkins has really impressed me with, uh, kind of the running quarterback ability. And I don't know that, uh, UCLA is necessarily equipped to stop a running quarterback like a really good one like Dawkins. They stopped Taysom Hill a couple weeks ago, but, that's not the same case and Hill who was tearing up defenses two years ago, um so I think I like Arizona to to lose this by about ten, not thirteen I think thirteen's a little much
1: um I'm gonna go with you on that one i was I almost switched it uh I was like I should go against Dave again, but that you know they they took Washington to overtime you know this yeah. last week now that was at home you play in you know you play in the l a school it's not like you have some big home field advantage. the only thing is you have to travel you know like uh, there wasn't a whole lot of noise, I think, at the Stanford game last weekend. There's not going to be a lot of noise when Arizona State plays USC in the Coliseum. Um, it's not like it's some crazy hostile environment like you're playing at, at, you know, uh, at, uh, Eugene or anything like that. But, you know, you do have to go on the road, but that's a lot of points. And the fact that you could take Washington to overtime, I think UCLA and, you know, the, the defensive front for me really impressed me against Stanford. I thought they played with so much toughness and grit. And if they could have squeaked out some more points, they certainly would have won that game. Um, they'll probably score, you know, a bunch more against Arizona, but we've seen uh, you know, how explosive Dawkins can be. It'll be his fourth start in a row. Um, you know, we'll see what they you know happens with the running game if Wilson can come back. Uh, and I thought that the pass defense was pretty good. And it's not like the U- U- UCLA run game's been all that great. So I think Arizona can keep it close, Dave. I still think UCLA's gonna win, but thirteen's just too many for
0: me. Yeah, 13 is way too many, and um, it's going to be interesting to see if UCLA can run on this Arizona team, because like ASU, Arizona doesn't really have a defense. It's a little (laughs) bit better than ASU's, but they don't really have one. Um, But if UCLA is unable to run between the tackles on Arizona, that will be red sirens flashing big, big, big problem. Because already it's at the big problem stage, but if you can't run on a team like Arizona, there's no way you're running the ball on plenty of Pac-12 defenses. So this is going to be an interesting litmus test from that respect. So I want to see if UCLA can run the ball consistently between the tackles on Arizona, a team that should be susceptible to that. And I want to see if UCLA can stop a running quarterback because they're going to have to face another one next week against ASU.
1: All right. So next one we have, let me see, we'll move up the the rankings. We skip a couple. So this is up at number six because we already talked about the teams uh, below that. We have
0: California Golden Bears
1: taking on uh number
0: three utah Utes. yep number 18 in the ap poll number three in our hearts utah um going at california in berkeley 3 p.m on the pac-12 network Uh, this seems like a matchup that would be better suited to like sometime other than three i don't know yeah it's a little kind of off off off-brand Anyway, uh, Cal is favored by two over, over Utah, which is interesting. Cal's a two and two team. Utah's a four and O team, which, um, I think speaks to the surprising way Cal has looked this year. I think a lot of people were expecting somewhat dumpster fiery. And really, they've been kind of impressive. Um, I, I think their two losses were both close enough games that you easily could have seen Cal winning both of those. Um, offensively, they've been just so good. And then defensively, I kind of agree with what Gorsi said, um, or what he was tweeting. I think they've been, they've been better than the Arizona schools. That's what I'll say. I think they've been a little bit better than that. I don't think they're very good defensively, but I think they've been slightly better than absent. Um, which is about all you can take, so.
1: Better than absent. Okay.
0: Better than absent. Um think i still like utah here just because i've seen utah win games like this um kind of close gritty contests um say last week um I, I think Cal should be able to move the ball on them pretty well though um but uh, give me utah i'll take them out right
1: all right i'm gonna take utah as well it's just all about math for me dave when you're talking about the number three team and the number six team
0: there's just no question
1: and you and the number three team is getting points it's yeah. kind of like I teased it, you know, so it's teased towards Utah. I'm going to take Utah. I do think the Cal defense is improved. I don't think it's going to be some kind of shootout sort of game. Uh, I think the, the Utah front will give Davis Webb some, some problems, but they're still, I think they're still going to get theirs and score some points. It's going to be up to Troy Williams to make some key throws like he did, uh, last week against USC. Uh, but I think they will. I think they're going to play enough, you know, do enough to keep it where it's always going to be you know within a touchdown either side but utah probably you know ahead or tied most of the game and cal trying to come back and utah able to make some plays late in the game so i'll take i'll take the road team that's higher ranked um in this one and uh, of course because they're number 3 it it means a lot dave they're the the number 3 team in the podcast of champions power rankings if you're it's getting so points i could not not
0: take you that makes so makes so much sense to me <laughs> all right.
1: Uh, so we had number five was Arizona State. We already talked about them. Uh, number, uh, we're, four. we're
0: going all the way to the top, baby.
1: Yeah, we're going to the top. So this game, I don't know. Is this even, I don't know if it's even on TV. Um, <laughs> the number, the number two team, Washington
0: Huskies <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, some team from Palo Alto,
0: Stanford Cardinal. Number one versus number two! This is crazy. Uh, so this is maybe the biggest game in the Pac-12 this year, especially when you consider the Pac-12 South looks so weak that uh, I kind of think whoever wins the North is the de facto champ. Yeah. Maybe? I mean, at this point in the season, maybe once we get to the end, some Pac-12 South team will emerge, like Colorado. <clears throat> but, uh, so this is on at 6pm on the SPN on Friday night in Seattle. You know that place will be jumping. Um, Washington. Now get this. Washington is not just favored by three points. They're favored by three and a half points. Ooh. That half point, that's, that's a lot right there. That's a significant half point. That means, that means the odds makers are loving Washington. Um, this is an interesting game for me. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of Washington, but they still really haven't played anyone good. Yeah. Stanford has. I mean, well, Stanford's played some quality teams. I I don't know if they've played anyone who's really good yet. But I think no matter what your feelings about the Pac-12 South teams this year, I think you would say UCLA and USC are probably a slight cut above a school like Arizona. And Arizona's the best opponent that Washington's played. Um, and Stanford has beaten both USC and in a squeaker last week, but they beat UCLA. Um, definitely been tested a little bit more. Um, I, I think it, there's a lot to like about Washington from a defensive perspective. I think maybe they even have a few more. They have a few more offensive weapons than Stanford does. Stanford has the best offensive weapon in this game, though, and Christian McCaffrey. I I feel like I've taken a lot of road underdogs in this one <laughs> to win outright, but uh, I'm taking Stanford to win this one outright.
1: Stanford, okay, well, Stanford. So I got to put all the went
0: to Stanford.
1: Yes, uh, Stanford. you got any high level analytics here? So I'm going to put this into my computer. <laughs> And uh come out with something good. Okay. We have the number one team in the uh-huh. in the, the the power rankings of the podcast of champions getting points. Uh-huh. And getting more than a field goal. You have to pick them. We have to pick Stanford here. They're the number one team. Otherwise, we would have Washington number one. That's it would be silly for us to give our power rankings, say Stanford's number one, getting more than a field goal and not to pick them. So we gotta pick Stanford. We gotta pick David Shaw. Go for it on fourth and one when you shouldn't, and it'll still work out. I don't know if they're gonna win outright. Maybe Washington wins by a field goal, but getting three and a half, there's no way I cannot pick Stanford.
0: So the interesting thing is, the over-under on this game is 44 points. Um, that is, let's see. That is 14 and a half points fewer than the next, uh, lowest over-under in a Pac-12 game this week. Wow. So 44 points. And here's, here's a little prop I'll throw out there. Okay. If this goes under 44, I like Stanford's chances even better. If this goes over 44, I think Stanford has zero chance.
1: I think that's safe. I think that there's a more explosive offense, uh, with Jake Browning and Washington. Um. Stanford hasn't scored much at
0: all this year. If you look at, if you look at their offensive totals, they've gone 26 points against Kansas State, 27 points against USC, and 22 points against UCLA. Yeah. Just not a high scoring offense. Um. And Washington's obviously put up some bigger point totals. They've been a little bit more explosive. Um, so I think if they, if they, if they can play Stanford's game here, if Stanford could just play some grinded out ball control, awful, awesome game to watch, um, then I think they win. You know, if it's like that 17 13 type game, that's a, that is a Stanford That's Stanford. Game
1: <laughs> Completely. That is. And, you know, we saw the Washington, I obviously love the Washington defense. Probably the best in the pack 12. Yep. Gave up a lot, uh, on the ground to Arizona. What does that say about what they're going to do to Christian McCaffrey? I just, Stanford kind of does this sort of thing where you're like, ah, oh, they're not scoring a lot of points. They're, you know, they're this, they're that. And when you try to define Stanford and something like that, then that's when they usually kind of break out of their mold. And so McCaffrey could like rush for 250 yards or something and return a kick or something for a touchdown. I, I just, I mean, and you know, Stanford losing starting cornerback. I mean, there's there's injuries and everything that you know, I could see why you got some people going against Stanford, but that's the team I trust right now. Washington is the the hot team. Everyone, you know, loves what the direction they're going. But I think you have to prove it to me. Like knock them off, knock Stanford off, and then you're the big dog. And then then, you know, you win this game and you're the Huskies. You're be the torchbearer for the conference, essentially. Like you said. It doesn't look like anyone from the South is going to be that. You know, Utah maybe they can emerge at it. Colorado too, but it, if you know the winner of this game is going to be the torchbearer, and I kind of think it's going to be Stanford. But if you know Washington's got to prove it to me before I'll pick them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair approach to take. And they haven't. It's just so hard to pick them. I mean, obviously Washington fans are probably more intimately aware of the team and what they've shown throughout game and gaming out. But I want to see them play somebody real. And this is somebody real. I mean, this is somebody maybe a little bit too real. Maybe you'd like to, you know, dine on a little cow before you get to Stanford, but them's the breaks. Um, so Washington gets a test against Stanford before really getting, uh, some other meaty, uh, Pac-12 team. All apologies to Arizona. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be fun.
1: It's, uh, it's really shaping up to be interesting, Dave. I think through this whole thing. I mean, you want to see you to, for, to be interesting. I think you want to see teams emerge that you maybe didn't feel were going to be there. And you got like the Colorados and, you know, the established giant in Stanford getting challenged by the hot up and coming team, which is Washington. To be able to see that on a Friday night. Uh, I think that's going to be great. There's, you know, and who knows with the South. I mean, if Utah can keep that run going, it's harder with Colorado because they already got a loss with, with Michigan. But, um, you know, if Utah is able to kind of go on their run and, and, and be an undefeated team and, and make it to the championship game, I mean, I think that would be great for the conference. Um, I think it would hurt. To have you know either Washington or Stanford say emerge undefeated, and then you have like a two-loss Pac-12 team in the South to play. Um, yeah. You know it, it's not great, but one of those teams for the Pac-12 to make the playoff, we got to have one of those teams you know stay undefeated like they are. Um, Just to you know, you guarantee things. They, you know, one-loss team could make it in, but I don't think you want to leave anything up to to chance here. There's so much weird stuff going on. You got the Houston's of the world that they could throw their you know hat in the ring. Um, you don't have to worry about Notre Dame this year. They're one and three, well, but... I think
0: the, I think the Big 12 is going to be out this year. Um, they, they've got nobody who's super elite. Um, uh, not even, I don't think they even have anybody as good as the best Pac 12 teams. Big 12 looks pretty down. I think the, the big thing to worry about is, uh, you mentioned it, but I think it's Houston. Um, I think a one loss Pac 12 champ gets in over a undefeated Houston. Yeah. But, but would a
1: one loss Pac 12 champion get over, get in over like an undefeated Baylor that has a terrible, out of yeah. conference schedule. I don't know. I mean, there's no
0: way Baylor's going undefeated. There is no, I mean, it, maybe there is a way. Maybe there is a way, but I, I'm not seeing it right now. I think, I, I think I, I feel a little bit more optimistic and it's more about how bad the Big 12s look than anything. I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about the Pac 12 getting a team in. It's just, I think if you get to two losses, then it becomes, uh, it's going to be really, really tough. But I think at, at one loss, I, I feel pretty good about a Pac 12 team.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool. I I think this was a little more streamlined, Dave, with our.
0: This was, this was, I think, the most organized Pac-12 podcast we've had. Yeah. Pretty good.
1: We're going through different, you know, sheets of what we're looking at. I got my board here. I think we, I think we did all right. Um, so yeah, you know, sending us some questions. We actually, we could, I'll read one for you, Dave. How's that? Just before we,
0: let's, let's go, let's go through a, let's go through a question.
1: It says, uh, so this is from the mad family. It says, Mm -hmm. hi, it's from Frank. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I heard Mike Lamb ask uh, if it's over for the Bruins, and Eric Allen answer that he thought so. So I think this was probably on one of those Pac-12 recap shows. Which, sure. Shout out to the Pac-12 Network, by the way. Now that I get it, I'm loving the the replays and the 60-minute you know, games so, and stuff. Uh, oh so yeah. good. He says, really, one conference loss to the bell cow of the conference and it's over for the Bruins? I think this game proved that they can play with the best teams in the conference and should still be considered a favorite in their South. Your thoughts
0: from Frank. Well, Frank, um, I don't think it's over for the Bruins because it's never over. It's never, never quite done. I do have UCLA going seven and five. So in that respect, if you're, if you're looking for, for a lot of hope from me, um, you're not likely to find it. Um, I think there's some significant issues that I haven't seen them figure out, um, namely running between the tackles. Um, and they haven't really been able to do that against anyone. Even UNLV, which had a pretty weak defensive front, they weren't able to run between the tackles. They put up some decent rushing totals in that game, but most of it was outside, um, which you can't necessarily do against uh, Pac-12 defenses. So uh, that's a big issue because that's a lot of what this offense is built on, Um, the ability to run between the tackles, set up play action, um, pound a defense. That's what they're trying to be, and they haven't really been able to be that. So offensively, that's a big issue. Defensively, they've figured some stuff out. They've been better the last couple of weeks, um, but I'm interested to see how they do against a running quarterback. And I'm interested to see if they can do this consistently week in and week out. Um, I think there's an open question about how good offensively BYU or and I, I know I just picked them to beat Washington. How good offensively Stanford is? So um, I, I think there's still some question marks defensively. I think that I think if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about this Stanford team, I think at this point in the year this is the weakest Stanford team that UCLA has played. Um, you know, I think that team two years ago that finished the year eight and five by the end of that year, that Stanford team was looking pretty darn good. This Stanford team is still figuring stuff out. Um, I think Ryan Burns is still figuring himself out. And I think that that staff is still figuring out who Ryan Burns is and what he can produce. So um, I think this was kind of, you, they caught Stanford at the right time to win the game and they didn't win the game, um, which is kind of the long and the short of it. So, I'm not super hopeful about UCLA going on a seven and one, eight, no type finish of the year. Um, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think if they go, you know, six and two over the final, uh, stretch of the season, I think that's, that's pretty good at this point. I think if they finish eight and four, I think you like to have you, you would like how they salvage the season. Um, and anything above that is obviously gravy, but, uh, I think six and two would be my kind of if I was looking at the slate of games coming up, the final eight games, that's what I would say is, okay, that would be a little bit above what I expect right now.
1: You know, yeah, I don't, I don't agree. If that was their assessment, I didn't hear them say that, but to be over. I don't think so at all. I mean, you saw, uh, you know, it's a loss of Stanford. Um, and that's it. So they could, I, I wouldn't say they're the favorites in the South. Um, I do like Utah right now, but you know, Colorado, like Dave likes Colorado, they could be good, but UCLA's up there. is the Correct. team I picked to win the South. Yeah. I'm, um, they could still, you know, you could sweep the South. Still, you, obviously, you can, you know, go seven and one or whatever in conference. Um, what was it? Yeah, would that be right? Or they play? We played nine, nine. So it'd be, you have to go eight, yeah. And
0: one. Yeah, they have eight more games. So they're two and two right now. So they have eight more games. So they could go, you know, whatever seven yeah. and one, and then finish seven and two overall.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I there's yeah, still, and I love the way the defensive front is playing. Like Dave said, let's see them play against uh more mobile quarterback and and be able to, but the they were really tough at the line of attack at the you know the point of attack against yeah. Stanford that really impressed me. So yeah, I don't I don't think Stanford's out of it. You could still win the South, but you'd have to regroup and beat a Stanford. You know, say that UCLA wins the South, you got to be able to to bounce back and and play better against a Stanford or a Washington or wherever are ends you, up coming. Are in
0: you out. sunshine pumping UCLA right now? I'm trying does to this, help a little. Does it, does they just impressed you?
1: me like that. They played Stanford tough. Really tough, and that's the that's the team to beat in the conference. So you got to give them props when they do that.
0: I love it when people ever call us out for being honks. Because if anything, this podcast is me talking bad about <laughs> UCLA play and talking bad about USC. Yeah, that's that's really the foundational principle of this podcast. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, I sometimes it's just the the team you know. Yeah. you'll be the most critical of because that's you're very close to it yeah. very close to the situation you're very close you I mean you know it's and yeah you you should be a little more optimistic probably on UCLA. like USc's one and three like there's no reason you know they hired a coach that they should never have hired and you know there's all kinds of sure. stuff good
0: question was was USC um up by a single score over a mountain west team that's currently one and three and that mountain West team had the ball in the third quarter with a chance to score did that happen I think of that happening for USC.
1: Is that is that team 1 and 3? I actually don't even UNLV
0: know. UNLV has lost to some teams this year. <laughs> They've lost to some bad stuff. Let's I I want to pull this up right now. Just, okay. This is for my own personal identification. This is not going to be fun for I don't even else. know
1: what Utah State's record is. So
0: I thought, you know, UNLV has lost, so they beat Jacksonville State in the opener 63-13. Really impressive. They've since lost to UCLA by three touchdowns, Um, and that was a really deceptive three touchdowns, as we discovered. Almost cost
1: me a cover there. I was pissed, but yeah.
0: Lost to Central Michigan. Central Michigan's turning out to be pretty good, right? Yeah. 44-21. Not bad. They've lost to Idaho. Idaho's a team that has gotten shelled by Washington, Washington State. Uh, Washington beat them by, like, what, 45? Washington State beat them by 50, and they beat UNL. So... I don't, I don't feel strong about that UNLV team being very good. And they were in the game in the third quarter against UCLA. So. Uh, there you go.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, you, the, the Mount West team USC played was Utah State, who beat Weber State, but you, USC beat them 45 seven. They beat them pretty good. Right. They right. beat Arkansas State, but then they end up losing to Air Force and they got Boise State coming up. So they'll probably lose that one too. But, um, probably. yeah, that was not a pretty game for UCLA, but you know, getting better. Yeah. Be optimistic, Dave. Come on. They're they're coming back. Eating good in the neighborhood. It's a moral victory to, to you know. <laughs> that, I couldn't believe the final score. That was just crazy. but
0: Wasn't that fun? <laughs> 22-13 after being up 13-9 to 9 with two minutes to go. So
1: okay. I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm not a big Rams fan. I have Rams season tickets now just because they came, you know, they're in town. And I like the NFL, but. I was like, it would have been a fun storyline to see USC collapse in the fourth quarter, UCLA collapse in the fourth quarter, and the Rams collapse in the fourth quarter. But the Rams held on. Um, but they almost collapsed too. It would have been all LA teams just collapsing.
0: Yeah. That sounds about right. That yeah. sounds thematically appropriate.
1: Cool. Cool. So, all, all right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, yeah. i about an hour. That's not bad. I think a little more streamlined. Send them some questions. We'll try. If we can do it like a quicker show like this, maybe because there's less games now that we're in the Pac 12. Yeah. Um, we'll try good to get to question, good, good question. It. Yeah, don't write yeah. out. Yeah, you know, I feel that like Nick wrote in and gives his whole summary and stuff. Nick, we're not gonna have time to read all you know, all your summaries and stuff. Give us one good question, one good topic that we yeah. can talk about. We have to do this in a streamlined fashion.
0: Absolutely, cool. absolutely. Ryan. All right.
1: Well, that is David Woods from Bro. This is uh, he's your bro, Ryan Abraham right. from usafootball.com. Uh, thanks so much. You were listening to the podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time.